You know, what I love about God is God has given us, human beings, He's given us the capacity to dream. He's given us the capacity to see things differently than the way they are at the moment. I love what he did with Adam. He's just made the whole earth. I mean, look, it's not going to get any more perfect than it is. And then he makes Adam. He says, Adam, just go and tidy it up. Like the first job that mankind has in the perfect perfection of Eden is go and tend it. Look after it. See if you can improve it a little bit. And that's what God does with us in every situation that we are in. God's calling us to, to make things better than they are. And so God gives us pictures and visions of things that could be. What, what could your marriage look like? What could your business look like? What could your health and your body look like? What could your financial situation look like? Because we all see those things. And some areas are more clear to us than others, but we see those things. And then we've got to go and work it out. And here's the thing I found. God always plans bigger than we realize. God always has more in mind than you realize he has in mind. You know, Abraham just wanted a son, but God wanted a nation. Moses just wanted to see his people set free, but God wanted to see a free people step into their promised land. James and John just wanted to see a, a, Jewish, a Jewish kingdom, but Jesus had in mind a worldwide kingdom of grace and peace God always wants more than what we realize. And when you catch a glimpse of something that you think maybe God's calling you to do, and catch a glimpse of what could possibly be in your life, you've got to realize God is able to do that. God can do what he shows you. God can bring to pass what he puts in your mind. But it's interesting that sometimes how he does it is a little different. God showed Joseph, gave him a little glimpse of the future that Joseph actually, God had influence for him. God wanted him to be somebody that, that actually his family would come and bow down to and, and that he would be someone who carried influence. And, and Joseph doesn't react negatively to that. Joseph is not going, whoa, I, I don't know about that. I, that. That doesn't resonate with me. Joseph is pumped about this. He's excited. In fact, he races to his older brothers in one of the stupidest moves anyone ever made and told all of his older siblings that they're going to come and bow down to him. And we know how well that turned out. But Joseph had this understanding that, that there was going to be some point where actually he was going to be influential, maybe the leader of the family. I don't know. But instead, what God had in mind was that he would actually be the savior of the family and would actually save the whole future of the Hebrew nation while he was the leader of the greatest nation on earth at that time. God has more for you than you realize. And God is able to bring to pass what you see, but he probably won't do it how you think he's going to do it. You know, many years ago, we were pastoring in Dunedin. It had been a few years after we'd taken over from Pastor Bob and Pastor Margaret, and, and church was going great. We were loving it. And we had John Cameron preaching one Sunday morning. And the weirdest thing, it's never happened to me before, uh, or after. But in the middle of his message, John Cameron stops and he calls me up and says, Pastor Mike, come up here. He says, I'm going to pray for you because God is saying that he's going to give you right now whatever it is you're asking for. So I got my eyes closed, you know. Wow, no pressure. Like, uh, what, do I, what do I pray for? Like, what do I ask? 
I have no idea if this is real or not, but let's go with that. And so, of course, I'm immediately thinking, okay, how many people do we want to see saved? How many people do we want in this church? I'm like, do I ask God like for 750? We were about 400 at the time, something like that. Do I ask God for, for 500? Do I ask him for 750? Do I ask him for 1,000? Like, like, is that even possible? You know, hey, in, in the moment, your mind just starts spinning through all the options. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, just in my mind, it just became absolutely clear. And inside my head, I just prayed, God, give me 8,000 people. And then my head went, what? What? Eight? Like, why 8,000? Like, what, what a weird number that is. Why, why not 7,000 or 7,500 or, not, or 10? Like, let's round it up to something decent. But eight? I, honestly, I just thought, that is bizarre. Like, I've had way too much pizza last night or something because I don't, you know. So I never spoke about this to anybody. I was quite embarrassed, in fact. Particularly because we were in Dunedin. Like, the biggest church in Dunedin at that time was around about 850 people. I could not see in my lifetime that God would grow a church within the city of Dunedin to 8,000 people. There was no church in New Zealand anywhere near that. It just seemed ridiculous. So I just, okay, God, I'm asking you for 8,000 people, and we're not going to talk of this again. <laughs> so we continued pastoring in Dunedin, and, and the church grew, which was fantastic. And, uh, and then after three, uh, four or five more years, God called us up to Auckland, which was great. We were lead pastors at at uh, East, and by then I was on the national leadership team, and then eight months after I came up here, uh, I was voted in as national leader, which is all great, and then we had a few years where some great things happened, you know, really proud of what we did through NLT in that season, really clarified the DNA of our movement, and brought a different level of collegiality among our, our pastors and our leaders, and the movement grew, which was awesome, you know, we saw a whole bunch of our churches that have been in plateau or decline move into a place of growth, and it was fantastic, and I, I, it never even entered my mind once about that prayer I prayed until one day, just prior to national conference, I was going through all of our stats for the year. I've got to get, I had to get up and present it to conference. And as I was going through it at the bottom, I noticed that there was a sum total of all the people in Elam in New Zealand at that time worshiping on a Sunday. And do you know what that number was? Just over 8,000 people. Absolutely blew me away. God fulfilled in me what he showed me. He just didn't do it how I thought he was going to do it. I had in mind growing a local church. God had in mind national church. Funny how these things work. And I'm telling you, what you have in mind, what you see for your marriage, what you see for your health and your fitness, what you see for your finances, what you see for these things, it's in your heart for a reason. And God is well able to achieve what you see. He just probably won't do it how you think it's going to happen. And isn't Joseph just such a great example of this? He got a glimpse of this thing in his heart about, about influence. Uh, Genesis chapter 37, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered round mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Would you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. And so his brothers ridiculed him, and they ridiculed his dream. Let me tell you, some of us here have got a God dream, and people have ridiculed it. Or maybe even you've ridiculed it in your head. You know, if you've got a God dream, it's going to get ridiculed at some point. That isn't out of the ordinary, just like with Joseph. So don't be discouraged if that happens. So they take Joseph, and they decide they're going to take him out. 
So the, the, the discussion about should we kill him, should we not kill him, let's kill him. And then, and then one of the brothers pipes up and says, no, let's not kill him, let's put him in this pit in the ground, this cistern. That, uh, the, these cisterns were created often out of natural fissures. They'd dig them out and then when rains came, they'd fill up and they'd be like, essentially like the equivalent of a dam for us today. And they had these, and so they put Joseph in there. And Joseph is down in the pit. Now you've got to understand, Joseph has just seen, wow, God's going to use me and he's going to put me in a place of influence. And now Joseph finds himself in a pit looking at the prospect of death. What do you think is going through his head? You know, Dr. Miles Monroe said this. He said, Joseph wasn't worried at all. Why? Because what he was seeing was not what he saw. And so he knew God wasn't finished with him yet. And let me tell you, if what you see is not what you saw, then don't panic because God isn't done with you yet. You don't have to worry about, is this it? No, if you've got something from God, if you've got a sense of what something could be, a vision of the future, some plans, I'm telling you, if what you see is not what you saw, God ain't done with you yet, so you can relax. You don't have to worry about that. Something's going to change. God's going to bring somebody or something along, and that is exactly what happened with Joseph. Because here's the interesting thing. Apparently, these water pits, these cisterns, apparently there are many of them scattered across the landscape. But apparently there are only a few that are right next to the road. And so Joseph is in this pit, and it happens to be close enough to the road. that. And you've got to understand, back in the day, there wasn't lots of roads. It wasn't like Great South Road, and then you got Dominion Road, and then you got the highway. There was one road that went from Palestine all the way down through to Egypt. It was a trade road, just one road. And Joseph happened to be in a pit that was close enough to the road that when a bunch of Ishmaelites came along, that they were able to pull him out, sell him, so that this was God's... This was God's transport plan for getting Joseph from where he was to where he needed to be in the next step of his journey. See, Joseph wasn't in a pit. He was in the right pit. And some of you feel like you're in a pit today. Man, maybe you've got an office job that you just hate, or maybe you're working on a factory floor that you just don't love anymore, or maybe you're involved in something else that's just not working out for you. I'm telling you, if you feel like you're in a pit, you've got to trust God because you're not just in a pit. You're in the right pit. You're in the right pit in the right season. And if you just hang in there and keep your eyes open, God is going to bring somebody along. If you're, if you're willing to see it, he's going to move you on to the next step in your journey. And it may not look like the destination yet, but if you'll trust him, he'll get you there. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him in the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh. And they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. And so when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. If you're in a pit, don't worry, it's only temporary. But here's what we thought. You know, one of the great challenges in life is that some people get in a pit and they choose to stay there. Sometimes we choose to stay in our, in our poverty. We choose to stay in our depression. We choose to stay in our situation. And I think that there are three things that Joseph held on to that if we're going to get from where we are to what we see, we've got to be prepared to hold on to. The first one is this. Joseph held on to the dream that God had given him. What he was seeing wasn't what he saw, so he didn't give up on it. Sometimes people get into marriage and then after a few years what they see isn't what they saw and so they give up on it. 
They give up on the dream. Well, this is just as good as it gets. And they get that fabulously resourceful attitude when they just go, well, this is as good as it gets. Well, you know, I better look after me. I better look after my things and my needs. And they start living in that way. And who knows how effective that is in turning a marriage around. Or maybe in a situation with your business, you didn't get the promotion that you want. It hasn't rolled out the way you thought it would. And so you go, oh, well, this is just the way it's going to be. And then you get the kind of attitude that disqualifies you from any further promotions. Don't let go of the dream. If you see something out there, this is something that you believe God's called you to. He may not take you there, the route that you thought he would. But God is well able to get you there. But don't let go of the dream that God has given you. Secondly, Joseph held on to the opportunity that was in front of him. You know, if you're in a hole in the ground in the desert, there aren't going to be too, op- too many opportunities that come along to get out of it, and you need to take the opportunities when they come. I'm telling you, some of us in life, we're just like, well, I want to do it my way. I'm just going to do it in my time. And, and, you know, we need to realize that sometimes opportunities come, and you've got to be able to say yes. You've got to step in and say yes. Sometimes we get into such a no mindset. No, I can do it myself. No, I'll be fine. No, I'll be fine. Isn't that just a classic Kiwi saying? No, I'll be fine. No, actually, maybe you need to take an opportunity when it comes. And then the third thing that Joseph held on to was that he held on to the hand that was offered him. Do you realize it was the very enemies who put him in the hole, his brothers, who reached down their hands to pull him out, and he wasn't too proud to take it. Some of us, we find ourselves in a hole and people are offering to help us. People are willing and they're reaching out a hand to get us out or give us opportunities. But sometimes, if we're honest, we're just too proud to take it. And I tell you, pride will leave you in your pit. And we've got to remember that when a hand is held out to us, you know, no one ever got out of a pit by themselves. We've always got to be willing to take hold of a hand when someone reaches out to us. You know, at Elm Christian Center here, this journey started with someone who saw something. Pastor Luke saw a, he, he wanted, he saw a church of a thousand. He, he saw a school. He saw a bookshop. He saw a Bible college. But God had in mind so much more than what he saw. It's such an inspirational story to know the journey that we are a part of here. And to see how God has taken us on this journey as part of this journey from very small beginnings to something that is pretty spectacular today. I want you to watch this. And be inspired. Humble begin from humble from humble beginnings in the Howick Intermediate School Hall. What started as a dream in the heart of Pastor Luke and Marilyn Bro has now grown and flourished into all that we are today. We are a faith-based, gospel-centered community, and for over 30 years we've been impacting our nation and the nations of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As an organization, we're made up of many parts in multiple locations, each part important, each part necessary for fulfilling our God-given vision. We are one church in multiple locations. Our campus churches meet throughout Auckland City and into Whangarei. All our campus churches have relevant contemporary services, and everything we do is designed to create a place where people can know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. As a church, we're committed to reaching into the local community and equipping and empowering all people. We are passionate about the next generation and have dynamic programs catering to children, youth, and the whole family. 
as a church, we are committed to missions both at home and across the world, working strategically with key countries and partners to make a global impact. In addition to our church programs, Elam Christian Centre is also a key beacon in the education sector. We have multi-campus schools providing world-class, faith-based education. The new facilities at our Golfers campus would rival anything in New Zealand. We also have a Christian kindergarten and early learning centre. Once high school is over, we offer tertiary education in the form of Elam Leadership College, where we are committed to training, raising and releasing the next generation of church leaders. Although we are many parts, we are one. We are all united under one vision and one leadership, with a common purpose, mandate and mission. This is our collective strength, like a body made up of many parts. It is this unity which causes us to be a powerful force for the Kingdom of God in our generation. Welcome to Elam Christian Centre. Hi Church. Pastor Boyd and I recently got back from the Philippines where we were meeting with uh, Elam pastors from around the Asia Pacific region and some from the United Kingdom. It's one of the exciting projects that we're working on at the moment where uh, we have over 50 Elam churches, uh, 50 nations where there are Elam churches and it's been a very loose arrangement but we're just looking at bringing them together and uh, uh, seeing uh, what strengths each other has and seeing how we can come alongside of each other and work. For example, in Nepal they have an exciting uh, church planting program. Uh, in Pakistan they have uh, a great work where they work to free children that are tied up in slavery, uh, working long hours uh, uh, from a very young age in factories and they look at free, uh, freeing them, educating them, setting them uh, on a pathway where they can prosper. And so uh, we're just working together with them and uh, you know the Bible says to us that in Psalm chapter 2 verse 8 it says ask of me and I will give to you the nations as an inheritance. And uh, I'm really excited, I believe that verse, I'm claiming that verse as a promise for us uh, in Elam. Well, part of uh, my talk in the Philippines, I shared a little bit about uh, our journey. And again, it just struck me again, just the amazing journey that we have had uh, over 33 plus years. And uh, we started in a school hall, um, the church office was in my garage. Uh, we've grown from there today. We utilize uh, 10 different locations. We have over, have over 12,500 people that attend our uh, weekend services. Uh, we have over 1,200 students in our school, over 60 uh, students in our Elam Leadership College. Uh, we have our preschools along with a large uh, missions program. Uh, it's been an incredible journey of faith and through it all we've seen the miraculous hand of God uh, every step of the way. And yet, really, there's that sense that we all carry that this is just the beginning. Uh, we're only laying the foundation. Uh, people say to me, uh, have you retired yet? I think, no way. There is just so much that is happening at the present time. It is too exciting. In 2018, uh, we opened the Elam Christian College in Mount Albert. And the way that came about was just a, mir a miraculous uh, encounter where God brought uh, someone across our path to open up the door for this to, uh, to happen. Uh, our school is now spread over three campuses. Our principal, Murray, is spread over three campuses. 
He just managed to survive the, the last year, uh, but there are some other things uh, that are in the pipeline that are coming up for the future. They say, will 2019 be a little bit quieter? No way, there's no chance of that. They say that rust never sleeps. Uh, well, our vision must never stop. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. Uh, I understand that uh, uh, the full text of that means that without a progressive vision, without an ongoing vision, and so our vision must never settle. And how can it settle when there are countless thousands of people that are heading to a lost eternity without Christ? The opposite of this verse is true. With a vision, the people flourish, and uh, we want the ministries that we have as a church uh, to flourish. This year we've opened up our new $15 million expansion, Elam Christian College Middle School in Golflands, and uh, we were able to build this through uh, an unbelievable uh, provision of finance that came about through selling some land. Uh, two weeks ago we opened our sixth campus in Papakura under the leadership of Adam and Darcy Frost. And again, that was very exciting opening Sunday there with over 400 attending uh, that Sunday. We're in the final stages of going through the Auckland City Council uh, so that we can complete and move into a bigger premise in Pukekohe. Uh, we've outgrown the uh, theatre that we've been meeting in there for the last uh, couple of years. And uh, so uh, very exciting building that we've uh, managed to lease there. Uh, that the moment we get permission from the council, we will uh, develop that. And we are moving towards selling the top car park uh, at Botany so that we can free up finance, so that we can uh, develop the Botany Church building. Uh, the Botany Church really has been our flagship church uh, through the years and has uh, really been the key for us being able to finance many of the other projects that we have done. But it is badly in need of some updating, especially in the area of the CAF and the uh, children's areas. We really badly need to do some work, extend those areas. And so we want to free up some cash by selling that top car park and then removing uh, as many buildings as we can. Now that we've developed a middle school in Golflands, uh, we want to move as many buildings now that are vacant uh, on the botany side so that we can uh, add more parking uh, down there. We're also working on plans to develop the warehouse in the Manuera and uh, turn that into a church auditorium. And uh, same problem, a good problem. Uh, we're outgrowing the chapel area where the church meets at the present time. And add to that, uh, they're all the reason why we do what we do, and that is because um, we want to see men and women, boys and girls, one to Jesus Christ. And we've just seen just a huge increase in the number of people that have been giving their lives to Christ and have been uh, baptized. Our Elam Network, which really is our vehicle for training up our pastors, in the last couple of years we've been bringing pastors up from our key city centres and uh, just including them uh, in the training of our own pastors and, and leaders. And uh, there's been a demand uh, from uh, throughout our other Elam churches in the country, uh, put up the hand and say, hey, can you come and help us? And so Pastor Steve will go through the country this year in the key centre in, in uh, not only Auckland but then also into Wellington and Christchurch and extend uh, our training programs down there with our Elam pastors. And then there are key countries that we're working in. We have like China, Vietnam, Cambodia, we have Sri Lanka, India, Bangladesh and, uh, and Pastor uh, Mike Griffiths is leading a program to train the pastors in these nations. So it's one thing just to see churches established, uh, but the pastors are untrained. 
And uh, so we find that what happens is false teaching comes in, cults come in and begin to teach wrong things. And so, so Pastor Mike, he's developed a program uh, which he's going to take teams through those countries to train up the pastors uh, there and uh, those that have had no formal training. So there's exciting days ahead for us. And I'm just going to hand over now to your lead pastor and uh, they will share a little bit of, about the local vision with you. Thank you. Very cool, eh? Some cool stuff going on there, as Pastor Luke said. Uh, last year we took, uh, we took uh, a team to Vietnam and we trained 94 um, pastors that are involved in ministry and in village churches there. This year we're going to be doing it in Bangladesh, India and Sri Lanka in one trip. We're heading away in about five weeks. And then in July we're doing it in Cambodia, Vietnam and China. Just trying to lift the level of what's going on out there with our partner churches, which is really exciting. What do Liz and I see? It's so interesting, ever since we first came to this church, uh, five and a half years ago now, yeah, five and a half years, you know, the, the thing that we keep saying was that we just see this place full. We just can't understand why this place isn't full. Like, the, like the, the overriding thing that we kept seeing was this place full to the back of people worshiping God with their hands raised, loving Jesus, believing for God for breakthrough in their lives, doing great things out there in the community, being involved in small groups, and having a blast. And again and again, we've come back to that picture, a picture of this place full. What happens when what you see isn't what you saw, you don't give up, you keep going, because you know God isn't finished with you yet. And I know God isn't finished with us yet. You know, there, we, we, we've uh, done some figures, and there are at least 5,000 inner city residents within 500 meters of this church. Isn't that astonishing? 5,000 people live within just around 500 meters of this church. Vertical villages have been going up all around us, and we absolutely believe God has called us to reach these people, people that are going to a, a lost eternity without a knowledge of Jesus, people that we're called to love and to serve. And a huge part of what we are about is to reach out into the very heart of our nation's greatest city and find a way to make disciples and see people one to Christ. That means as a church, we've got to be big enough to impact our inner city, passionate enough, trained enough, ready enough. And that's what we want to see. We want to see people come into here, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference, as Pastor Steve said earlier. And so our vision, of course, is to reach seven influence. And so in terms of reach, there are some things that we really want to see happen. For starters, we're realizing more and more that actually our church is probably the inner city's best kept secret. Our sign is completely covered out there by the big tree out there. There are apartments that look down on our roof. We have a glorious roof space. And Mark Dronjak has been saying, we need to get a sign on our roof. And so one of the things that we want to do this year is we want to completely redo our signage so that anyone going anywhere past our building knows that our doors are open, that we, are, want, to, we want to welcome people in, and we want people to know that they can come in here at any time. On top of that, we want to continue to fund a real outreach focus. We brought Shane Huang on last year as our outreach pastor. He's been so busy building relationship with apartments, apartments, managers getting invitations into churches. I think I said to you at the end of last year that one of my goals for Shane just before the end of last year was to get out 1,000 invitations to church into 1,000 apartments and what he did was he didn't listen to me. He went out and he got 2,000 invitations into apartments all around us 
and he did that, which is absolutely awesome. And we want to keep on funding what Shane is doing because we believe that is so important. We also want to serve. We want to keep serving this community and this family when people come in here. We took up an offering last year to extend uh, out into what used to be our creche, make an overflow area there, and put new flooring through our whole cafe. It's taken us a year to get there, but on April the 8th, our new flooring will be going down all through the cafe and into that overflow area, which will be beautiful. But on top of that, we want to keep this facility fantastic and contemporary and communicating relevance to people coming. We still want to get a suspended ceiling in the brick room so that when it rains, people can actually hear what's going on in there, because at the moment, it's just a big drum. So we want to do that. We want to completely redesign our kids' spaces and make them vibrant and exciting and make them so amazing for our kids to come into. We also still want to lower all this and make it more reachable and relevant. And we want to take out our sound desk so we can fit more seats in. So there's things that we want to continue doing in here to keep this place excellent to serve our people. But we also want to continue being an influence in our community. And there are a number of things we really get the sense that God is breathing on. And so we want to lean into those. You know, our amazing Thursday morning music program. We see over 100 people in here on a Thursday morning. And they keep asking us, man, when can we do this more? Can you do this on another day? And we would love to take that program to three mornings a week and see more and more people and families with young children coming in here on a Tuesday morning, a Wednesday morning, a Thursday morning. That'd be amazing. Last year, we ran a business breakfast that had a fantastic number of people along. And I've been talking with Pete Veed about, man, we, would, we think God's doing something in that area. We'd love to run those instead of once a year. Let's run them once a term. And he's pretty excited about that. We ran a light party last year and saw 200 inner city residents bring, come down to our light party. We want to double the size of that this year. We want to see a, a huge percentage of us as human beings involved in our small groups because the reality is, is that when I talk to people in their 60s and 70s who are still going strong for Christ, I am always talking to people who live most of their Christian life in small groups. It's just a reality, and so we've got to see more and more of us engaged in small groups on a weekly basis. We want to create more places and spaces where God's power can be manifest and people can experience His presence in real ways that change their lives. And so that's what we're going to be giving into this morning. We want to continue to press into what we believe God is breathing on in this place. You know, big things always start from small things, don't they? Big trees always grow from small seeds. And, and as long as I've been a follower of Christ, God has always challenged me to be someone who sows. Sow into people's lives, sow financially into offerings that, that are in, involved in things that are fruitful. God has always called me to be a sower. And today I want to ask you, will you partner again for another year? We only do this offering once a year. This is it. And we want to sow in to see some great changes happening. The reason why we're able to keep doing the things we're doing is because wonderfully generous people are willing to take a little bit of what they've got and say, you know what, I want to be a part of that. And I don't care if you, if you want to sow in $5, if you want to sow in $50, if you want to sow in $5,000. For some of us, that's where we're at. Five bucks is all we've got that we're available. Man, let's take and sow it with faith. If you can give $5,000, well then take it and sow it in with faith and let's believe that God will keep breaking us forward into His plans for us. Because see, those are just our plans. And if there's one thing I've learned, God's plans are always infinitely bigger than our plans. So we're going to do that in just a moment. We're going to, we're going to do something spiritual. We're going to sow a practical thing, believing for a supernatural response from God. You know, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus said this, This is what the kingdom of God is like. I love this. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself. 
The soil produces grain first, the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. I'm telling you, there's a supernatural power in a seed. There's a supernatural power in a seed. And when we take a moment to say, I'm going to take a little bit of my seed and I'm going to sow it. You know what? God does something with that. We've seen it before. I know you've seen it. I know we've seen it in our lives, in this church. And it's time for us to do that again. Will you give, will you join with us this morning as we do that? Now look, you've got a, you've got a special, uh, special giving offer, offering envelope on your seat. There's one on every seat. I encourage you to grab it, take hold of it. Now if you're not giving, if you haven't come prepared to give this morning, that's fine. We're gonna, you can put that envelope in next week's offering as well and that will all go towards this vision thing that we feel God is calling us to do. But I've said to my staff, listen, I've been praying about this. We've said to our dream team, uh, let, let's all be a part of this. Let's find a way of being a part of this. I don't care how big or how small it is, but let's sow in because God can only grow, work with the seed that we give Him to work with. Amen. Come on, let's get to our feet this morning now as we come to a, a close. And I want to challenge you, even as you sow into the church, let me ask you, in your life, what is it that you see that's a little different from what you saw and why don't you determine again today to go after what God showed you? What your marriage could be, what your life could be, what your business could be, what your relationship with your kids could be, what your finances could be. Why don't you bring that before the Lord as well today and renew your commitment to see God's will be done in your life. Amen. Come on, let's just pray. Mighty God, we love you. Mighty God, as we come to someone this morning, someone who, what you're calling us as a church to be a part of, God. But even beyond that, calling uh, calling us to do and be in our lives, God, as followers of yours. Lord, we pray for your power to be released in us. In Jesus' name, everyone see it.